Welcome to another episode of Victory the Podcast. I'm Doug Ellen. I'm Kevin Dillon. Victory! Oh, yeah. Oh, that's fucking good, bro. How's everything going, Kevin Dillon? I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. (laughs) I mean, I'm just like, is this going to work? Is this not going to work? Because, uh, you know, this is an audio show, but we are videotaping. But here's the deal. Kevin Dillon, superstar, Golden Globe, Emmy nominated. Kevin Dillon is a no-show again. What, What do we do? How was my intro? Your intro, I thought was great. I thought we could pull it off. What we were going to do is just <laughs> do the whole thing with Kevin Connolly playing Kevin Dillon. But I couldn't maintain it. I knew I could do the victory and the, oh, yeah, and the beer <laughs> clap because I also edit the show. So I know I hear Dillon's cracking those beers in my sleep, <laughs> Irish crickets. But for the record, that was just for the bit. I'm stressed out, so I'm going to make the jump to the proper 12. We uh. Listen, we took the case, a proper 12 from goal during the pandemic. <laughs> And I got a little bit of a bite for it. And when I'm stressed you know out, what? it's I like excellent to sip stuff. It. But I want to talk about your stressed out because here's here's what's happened. Before we say this, also, yeah. this episode we will be covering season two, episode four, an offer refused, which is a great episode. We'll get to that. We'll but get to that. Continue. But right now we got so many bigger problems than the episode. Okay, so basically Connolly, the businessman, sells me on this podcast. I've never done one in my life. I've never really been a performer. Well, I did stand up, but amateur nights where I was booed off stages all over the country. But anyway, I've never really done this. And Connolly says, let's do this podcast. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Who's going to listen to me? But he tells me he's bringing a big gun. Kevin Dillon. Kevin Dillon's going to be my left tackle. Kevin Dillon's going to protect my blind side. Connolly also says he'll chime in once in a while. I don't, I don't know what's going on. But basically, it, I feel like it's me. And now, here we are. Kevin Connolly, you're not protecting me. Where is Kevin Dillon? Kevin Dillon is our franchise player. We all agree. <laughs> it's our home run hitter. He, sells, he puts asses in the seats. <laughs> That's the bottom line. The funny thing about Kevin, Doug, you and I, we're just wired differently. Love Kevin. I think he's overwhelmed that he's working. But we got an email from Dillon's agent that he wasn't going to be able to make the show, which is weird because we talked talk to Dylan a lot. I mean, I talked to, I text with the guy three times a week. He played golf with him last week. Suddenly he booked a job. Now, well, yeah, I mean, that happens though. That yeah, happen. of course it happens. By the way, if he texted us, we'd say congratulations. Correct. What job and when do you want to Zoom? But we didn't get any of that. We got the agent. Also too, you don't like when I use the softball <laughs> reference, but if we were a softball team, not that the, you know, the podcast is obviously mm-hmm. more important than the softball team, <laughs> but if we were a softball team and Dylan's our shortstop, you go, hey, guys, I'm going to miss the next two games. Yeah. You got to get a shortstop. Yeah. And we didn't get that. And the weird thing is, is like he got a job, it says. Now, with Kevin Dillon, for all we know, he's working with Scorsese or he's doing someone's kitchen. We have no idea right. what this job means or I what mean, it is. The possibilities are endless. So, but, I, but anyway, I'm trying to be I nice. don't protect you. That's how I feel. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to be nice about I'm it. I'm glad because, we're talking about this. Uh, yeah, I think we should talk about it. And this episode that's coming up, there's a great, I think, the first uh, uh, couples therapy session. Which yeah, some, which is funny. Sometimes is it's funny. between men, though. And I feel like we need one right now because I feel like my blind side is not protected. Right I, knew, I knew you were going to feel that, which is why, A, I'm sitting here in the booth. Yep. yep. Okay. And I got a couple things. I got a couple things. So, I, I listen, I read the uh, Instagram I read the comments. People think I'm mean to you. Right? I mean, it's unbelievable, by the way. I'm Am I like mean the to sensitive. You? <laughs> I, I listen. I'm not very sensitive. You know, I've been. T- I've, I've been. Given- I don't think I'm mean to you. If I didn't think you could handle it, I wouldn't do it. See, I don't even like. I don't even like that. Uh, that whole the, like. The, what can that I handle it? I didn't. I didn't know that I was getting beat up on this show. I didn't I, think you were either. Yeah, I don't know. So everyone else is going to have to decide that. Listen, there's a reality to the situation. Kissing a Fool was released oh, on 2,200 fucking screens, and it. Connolly is bitter about I it. I so, love it. I love so it. So he speaks against it. Also- I like the poster. I like the poster. That said, what people don't understand at home is a lot does go into the podcast. Doug really, really, really cares about the podcast. He works hard. He wants to build it. It's like a real thing for him, which I appreciate as the businessman. I really do. I appreciate it. Thank you. That said, <laughs> at times it could be maybe stressful on our, on our relationship. So yeah. I've got a couple- things while you're feeling unprotected. You're apologizing for your part in this? I'd like to apologize for my part. And then if if I come across like I'm picking on Doug, it's usually because I'm like probably semi-annoyed about something that you guys don't know. Maybe a phone call or a comment, you know. So I think for the better of our friendship and maybe the podcast, (laughs) we're bringing on a heavy hitter producer, Narod Michelle, the business woman. Ooh, I like it. Now, she is the right hand. She runs the joint, okay? So- She's going to talk to you, all of your crazy ideas, you funnel to her, and I will be there, and I will be there to edit, 
and make sure that everything is good. We got the business. Work. All right. I'm excited about that. We need some some femininity around here. Also. Right. But also, she's a really good producer and she's probably better at it than I am because Great. I just take everything that you say personal. See, that's the thing no one understands. Kevin's mean to me on the podcast, which is a bit I'm mean to him in real life. So yeah, it's exactly. Like, exactly. It's, uh, that it's makes perfect... me feel bad off the air. <laughs> um, but... I also got a little surprised for uh, season two, episode four, an offer refused filling in for Kevin Dillon. One Jerry Ferrara will no. be joining us. Is that true? Jerry Ferrara will be joining us via Zoom. So I got you a producer and I got you a, a, an all star. Well, I got to say, you an I got to say, all-star. that is delivering. That is delivering big time. And uh, if anyone poured me a glass of proper toilet, I think they're, <laughs> I think they're rationing it here. I would toast with you, dude. We are running low. We might actually have to buy some. Which, uh, I, I am excited, though. Jerry, is this a joke, Jerry? No, Jerry's going to come on. He's not Jerry's in town, gonna, right? He's no, not no, no, in town. Oh, we're getting him on York, Zoom. But spoke to Jerry. He watched the episode. Also, too, Doug, you'll be happy to know, and all the fans out there, I watched the episode. I offer refused. Wow. Maybe we should get rid of Dylan, and you'll actually do some work now. It's great. (laughs) No, well, honestly, it'll be easier for me to watch these episodes now when I'm not worried about these other things. Right. Now I can be more of a a teammate, unless of a GM. I'm excited about this. Now, also, just because people do take this stuff very seriously, Kevin Dylan is a brother. We are joking and excited, and whatever movie or whatever kitchen he's working on, whatever tiles he's laying or whatever Oscar winning movies we're happy for him and he will be back believe me he will be back no he's back next week Uh, I mean but the funny thing about Kevin is that to him he's not even aware of the fact that he didn't call he doesn't think anything of it I'm just laughing so much because just you gotta remember that like an agent to email me it's so by the way it's so bizarre I guess because now we have a producer she can handle those the businesswoman's gonna get those emails Nora are you okay with that nickname with businesswoman? Yeah. Absolutely. All right, there you go. We got a strong one. By the way, we got another one because I needed some help too. This podcast, by the way, is costing me a fortune. I know. I mean, I got to park in front every day. We do like two hours. All of a sudden, it's four bucks every time I show up. It here. adds up. I got Heather Andelsman who's like backing me up and, she's and the giving glue. me notes. She's, she's, the, she's glue. the glue. So, she's the glue. Yeah. So, Larry, thank you for having Heather. That's one of my friends from childhood. And uh, and, and we're going to go. How about thanking Heather rather than thanking her dad for having her? You know what? Thank Let's you thank for thank being had, Heather. Heather. Thank, thank you for, for being, being had, Heather. <laughs> Heather's a big help. Heather breaks down the episodes. And now that I'm going to actually watch them, that's good. So do you feel better about our relationship? I feel better about our relationship. I feel really good that we got Jerry. I'm excited to see him. And uh, let's bring him on when we get back from this break. All right. Welcome back, Victory the Podcast. And as I was saying before the break, Kevin Dillon is a no-show. And I yelled at Kevin Connolly for not protecting my blind side. And, and he surprised me. I surprised me. I roll up another first ballot Hall of Famer all-star. So, Jerry Ferrara. Welcome. Jerry Ferrara from Cleveland. Was I brought off the bench? You, yo, you can't. No, dude, no. We, we, we got you on a sign and trade yeah. at the deadline. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> by the way, sign and trade. I mean, I think we gave up a lot of first round picks for him, and I feel good about it. I mean, <laughs> so, Jerry. I'm worth it. I'm a playoff performer. Totally, I'm well worth totally. it. I'm so, well worth here's it. the story, Jerry. Um, <laughs> last night, we got an email from Dylan's agent. Late so, last night, by the way. Late. <laughs> wow. Doug is like. You know, again, we're using the Jerry the basket your basketball team, right? If you're going to be out of town doing a movie, do you call and say, "Guys, the next two Thursdays I'm out of town. And we need a new. You guys need a new point guard, right?" Of course. You don't have Lev call <laughs> no, the no, captain no, of the team. No. Say, guys, I'm out, but I'll help you pick someone up. Well, yeah, I'll find someone. Just for a you. heads up, I can't be there, but I'll get somebody to replace me. Doug is, of course, in Doug fashion, taking it personally. No, no, and no. I'm telling him no. that Dylan doesn't know any better. I mean, look, I know the two of you since 2003 i have never received an email from your agent (laughs) okay (laughs) like if you can't be where you're supposed to be you would call me and tell me now again i'm with you i don't take it personally because dylan is old school and lives in some strange bizarre universe that i don't understand but dylan is not here and we got jerry farrar so the question though i have a bigger question for jerry though because jerry has insight and again jerry i've already explained to the audience that this is all in good fun because we're not really worried about it and we love dylan but dylan puts asses in the seats bro (laughs) that's the bottom line dylan sells out crowds And they love him. So, you know, he's earned that. If he wants to, he's like Rodman in The Last Dance. If he's got to (laughs) go and take a break. That's a good analogy. That is a good analogy. It really is. If he's got to go on a bender in Vegas or whatever. Vegas or whatever he's doing. Because Dylan said he got a job, and we don't know whether that job means a movie or he's doing like a kitchen job. Dylan does a lot of things. (laughs) Dylan does a lot of things. He could be under the hood of a 69 Thunderbird (laughs) right now, just like, Uh, just putting, I I got a job, I'm building a new car, or... 
I would assume it's an acting job. Yeah. Um, but like throw it out there. We'd like to support him. You said we got an email from Dylan's agent. agent. I thought you were saying you got, a, you got an email from Dylan. I'm like, that in itself. <laughs> that would be weird. Would be that would be very weird. I've never gotten <laughs> an, an email, email from Dylan. Dylan is not an email guy. Yeah. We were actually recapping. Uh, we went to dinner over here in Ohio with the woman who planned Bree and I's wedding. And we recapped the fact that the person who like leaked a photo of our wedding, not saying that people even <laughs> wanted to see the photo of Bree and I at all. It was Kevin Dillon, bro. We said, <laughs> I do. We kissed. We walked down the aisle for the first time as husband and wife and waved. And as we're leaving the, the area, whatever it's called, Kevin Dillon with a cell phone goes, Jerry the kid. And my face and Bree's face were like this. And that's not because we're like happy to see. We were shocked he had a phone and it was on the gram within 30 seconds. And by the way, I just want to say, and I'm being dead serious, that was a memorable photo. It was actually an amazing shot. What a is, lucky, that was luck. That was the luckiest photo. Dylan couldn't have lined that up if his life depended yeah. on it. He got lucky. And also too, again, Dylan didn't, leak <laughs> in his head he's not he leaking it he's posting it yeah. he's not leaking it he'd go i didn't leak anything chief what are you talking about he didn't leak it leak it we almost were... implies that somebody sold it now we... did dylan no sell I, no 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 i mean like he just posted it and that became the one that like not that lots of people gave a shit but it was an amazing show it was a great shot i mean it was in people magazine wasn't it <laughs> pure blitz that dylan has a cell phone jerry what we were gonna do here at first was Connolly doing the impression which i said jerry is famous for the Master Harvey Weingart impression. And I wondered, because Conley actually did a real nice Dylan impression. And we were going to try to do this whole thing for the audio I, I part of the show. It. I couldn't do it, Jerry. I Jerry, made it 30 seconds in. And I, let's I hear your it. Dylan impression, Jerry. My Dylan? <laughs> I don't want to put you on the spot. Uh, but. No, no, no. Uh, well, this is what we should be able to do this, right? Uh, <laughs> it's more so I'm trying to think of the right thing. All right, all right. I'm going to. Ooh, hey, uh, Chiefy. Uh, I'm not going to be able to make it to the show today. <laughs> Jerry the kid, what's going on? It's Katie Licious, bro. Hey, we gotta get some. We gotta play some golf, Chief. We gotta play some golf. <laughs> I, Jerry's all got, I got right Jerry's now. Always Jerry, that was excellent. Right. And I'm telling you, we could do this show where either of you were playing Dylan, and no one will know. Also, too, Jerry, these guys, Doug and Dylan, they're fucking freezing me on the contracts, bro. What do you mean? I didn't really understand that this was a contract situation. I thought we were kind of doing this well, as a fun thing. Yeah, I thought it was well, a fun thing. When you thing. start getting real money involved, it becomes a contract the, situation. The only real money so far, Jerry, is the money I pay for lunch and parking when I come here. <laughs> That's the only real money so far. But, Jerry, you spent the most time on set with Kevin Dillon alone because you guys had a lot of scenes together. Wait a second. Don't avoid the contract question. I'm not. Oh, I'm okay. not at all. I'm asking Jerry for his insight. Do you think this is a holdout maneuver by Dylan that he didn't show today? Could Do you be. Think Listen, um, Dylan's cagey, okay? That's all I'm going to say. Um, well, I would instinctually say no because, uh, again, w- amongst friends and family, like, no, I don't. But Dylan, uh, Dylan's he's a wily veteran. He is you know? a wily and, veteran. Uh, he probably knows more than he lets on. Yeah, I wouldn't be like, you know what? You, you know what, bro? I'll sign when my deal is closed. <laughs> Give me what I I'll show up for you know, you want me to get on PCH? I'll be there. <laughs> By the way, we do the get a lot signed. of PCH. We get a lot of PCH complaints from oh, the traffic. I always found it ironic we shot like an entire season by Malibu. Dylan lived in West Hollywood. Then we moved <laughs> back to West Hollywood right after we bought a house in Malibu. <laughs> I'm Doug, sure you guys have discussed that. Doug, no, we, we actually haven't. That's a great point. What we have discussed is that there's a fucking pandemic, and somehow the only traffic is when Dylan drives. Like, otherwise, there's no traffic in Los Angeles. Doug but. likes to blame his uh, he can't get his lawyer on the phone or his lawyer won't return his call. But, Jerry, we're entering week eight of negotiations, and we're just at <laughs> An a standstill. An offer refused, bro. An offer refused. It's Which interesting. It brings, brings us to this episode. To season you know? two. <laughs> Episode four, yeah. an offer refused. Jerry, did you watch the episode? I did watch the episode. Um, and I usually have a pretty good memory about, like, most, like if you tell me the name of an episode, I'm usually like, and I go to the things that were more going on, like in our personal lives and on the show. I'm like, oh, that was when like Dylan broke his arm right. or stuff that happened. But with this one too, I'm like, offer refused. Okay. I remember the last scene when it's uh, Chuck saying like, you know, Leo's going to see Cameron about some fish movie. I remember that. I did not remember all the stuff that is actually in this. This episode is packed with shit. Yeah. Like lots of stuff. And it's packed with some wish fulfillment stuff. And Jerry, again, you're so good and 
innocent and like wants the big TV, wants a shark, just like things that, you know, like like the kid wants. Talking Doug, to the Doug parents. felt like you were light in the episode, Jerry. Listen, first of all, you for sure have the best line in the episode. I was like, Jerry, you got to do another one of those bigger. Go Which bigger. one? Which one? You don't know where we're from. I will slap Brad Pitt in his <laughs> face. <laughs> Also, too, you know, in the beginning of the episode, Ari takes a shot at Peter Dinklage, who then yes. goes on to 97 Emmy Game <laughs> of Thrones royalty. You but know. Peter Dinklage also goes on to come on the show four yeah, right. episodes later. We mentioned in this episode Vince doing a Scorsese movie, James Cameron and Peter Dinklage, none of whom we have any connection to right. at, at the moment that this is being written or shot. So we don't know we're getting any of these people in the future. For anyone who wants to know whether I planned there any There was of that. no Cameron yet at this point? No, I'm begging Janice at that point. Janice, our post-production supervisor who worked on Avatar, Titanic, and whatever. I'm like, can you get James Cameron? She's going, what do you mean? Get him for what? He's not an actor. I'm like, I know, I know. We need him. You got to get him. So that was what was going on behind the scenes. So Vince is out spending money. Along with Turtle, who's not helping, <laughs> and they hire the over overpriced house designer, right? And we sit yeah. down and we look at some we look at some samples, and uh, Brad Pitt comes up, and there's a couple of funny Brad Pitt quotes. And he's like, "Oh, I'll beat Brad Pitt. I don't know. He's pretty ripped in Troy." It's like Turtle says, "Well, it's CGI. It's yeah. just like uh, make Vince look like that." <laughs> <laughs> Vince look like and that. it's Who's clearly not ripped. And, and then Jerry <laughs> says, "You don't know where we're from. I will <laughs> slap Brad Pitt in his." It's amazing that a couple of things we say in this episode, Russell Crowe pulling him out of Tom Bergen's, you know, which is just a joke. First of all, I have no idea if Russell Crowe, you know, even drinks, but we said that line. I'm sure he does. Yeah, I'm <laughs> going to go out on a limb and say that he does. But yeah. but uh, Tom Bergen's was one of our favorite bars, which we talked about shooting the original pilot scene in Tom Bergen's. Also, the Pacific Design Center, which was lots of walk and talks. You remember that, Jerry? Up the escalator, yes. down the escalator, yes. across the across the way. And who do we run into? Josh Weinstein, who is one of my favorite third tier characters. I have a question, Doug, and and you may, I don't know if you thought this out through, but as I was watching it and I'm trying to like disconnect myself from the show, if I'm watching this, here's a question I want to know. How the fuck does Josh Weinstein have that information and Ari does not? Is is he like, is he connected to someone in the middle? How does Josh Weinstein get that info? Only here's, takes one guy, Jerry, because you're keeping an underrated it, agent. You're keeping it from Ari. Right, they don't want Ari to know. It's a secret from Ari, maybe not a secret from Weinstein. But yeah, I think he's a good agent. Here's my guess on that. Watching it also, and I think it's a valid it's question. A great question. How could he know that? I think it's like Samar Armstrong. It's like that assistant. political activist Samari Armstrong. <laughs> yeah, she is very, very big. You should check out her Instagram. But in those early days, when you're the assistant, you have that inside track to those assistants. And someone spoke. Someone heard a conversation, and someone spoke. And I think. That's how it happened. But, and that's uh, the first time we hear the name James Cameron. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the first time. And again, we do not have him at this point. But let's just go at the beginning of this episode so we can kind of go in some semblance of order and understand. I want to talk about this. This episode is extremely realistic to what happens in Hollywood. It has happened to me a dozen times. I want to know if it's happened to either of you, and I'll explain a couple of mine. So you are told by your agent. You got the offer. Offer on the way. Offer coming. Now, this happened to me. I'm talking 1992. I am offered to write a movie about the founding of the American Basketball Association, okay? I am told to start writing. I write 30 pages of this script. I buy myself a BMW with the money that has not showed up, okay? And they tell me the president of MGM has been fired and the project is dead while I'm on page 30 of this script. Okay, that day, I'm not joking. I'm driving on the streets and I see Lev, Steve Levinson, executive producer of the show, Jerry's manager, I think, or whatever, producing partner, whatever it is. Levinson sees me. He's like, I love that car. I'm like, you want to take over my lease? <laughs> Swear to God, ask Lev. He's like, why? I'm like, I'm just a little stressed out right now. Lev took over my lease. Wow. I had that car You're for lucky. Less, You're lucky you found someone. Less than a week. Well, things worked out for me anyway. I probably could have afforded the car, but it's one of those moments where you panic. You overspend it. Have you guys had an offer retracted? An or? offer refused. Yeah. Have you had an offer refused? Um, 
I haven't had an offer refused. You know what I've had? And I even think there is a reference to this on the, on the show too, uh, down the road. I have had an offer pending. We want to offer it to you, but like, you know, come in and take a zoom or take a, oh, this. that's a and setup, like, Jerry. That's so a like, setup. so I don't have the offer. No, no, no. You, you probably do. And it's like, I think it's more agenting than actually like the producers. I don't know, but I've had quite a few. Yeah. They want to offer it to you, but just like come in and <laughs> I'm like, what? Well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. If they want to offer it to me, they'll fucking offer it. Yeah, to that's hundred percent the agent. Well, it's the offer pending a meeting, which is is a double negative. Yeah, right? so it's an audition, it's right? An audition. Basically, so it's not an offer because it's not saying, an offer. You got to go fight for this, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> but your agent really is not. trying to convince you not to sulk and just show up and do your best. I'm superstitious. Like if if I get that call, like, hey, you're going to get the offer. That's like great. Let me know when the offer comes in. I don't know. To me, it's funky. I mean, it's like anything when it comes in. Uh, you know, so I've always been overly yeah. cautious. So you never bought a car before you got well, the money. Well, not even that. Even emotionally didn't get involved until I knew that yeah. I'm looking at the offer and here it is. And blah, blah, blah. I'm highly emotional. I didn't even quit my job at the restaurant even when you called and told me I got an entourage. <laughs> I was still like, I should keep my job. I don't know what's going to happen with this show. The pilot five days and then you go back and then you quit the job if it gets picked up. Wait, Jerry Ferrar, did you keep working after I told you you got the job? Did you ever go to work after that? No, but I want to say I might have worked up until like uh, a week before we shot the pilot because you had told me. I remember I told I, I think I might have said this in the last one. I remember being in like a Seven Eleven parking lot after the test, and you had the decency to call me at like six o'clock at night and not make me wait till the next fucking day. <laughs> and you were like, "You got the parts, great. We shoot the pilot in whatever ten days." I might have worked like seven of those next ten days, wow. but then I went out with a blaze of glory. I cursed everybody out. What when was I quit, this I'm job? Such a Stanley's. Shit Jerry worked at Stanley on Ventura Boulevard, am I right? I did, but that wasn't the one at the time I quit for. I'm not going to name the one because I just put them on blast. But Stanley's, I worked out for four years. I used to have to take the bus to Stanley's in Sherman Oaks. I didn't have a car yet. I used to live around the corner. We probably crossed paths. I waited on you. I probably served you a, <laughs> a chopped salad at some salad, point or yeah. something. But, that is uh, so funny. I've also had, like, I've actually gotten offers and being like, oh, this is a cool movie. And then gotten the call two weeks later, like, uh, yeah, no, the financing didn't come through. That movie's not happening. We're like, oh, wow. It's so gone. that's Just an like interesting that. thing for uh, non-Hollywood insiders. It's not a guaranteed offer, right? So yep. it's uh, what you would call pay or play, which means when you accept the offer, if the movie falls apart, you still get paid. Denzel Washington is pay or play. Leo right. is pay or play. Kevin Connolly, Kevin Connolly not pay or play. <laughs> you got the offer, and if the movie falls one. through, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this episode, really, so much of my life came into this episode. And, you know, I got to see some questions on the internet, like the Peter Cole mailroom scene. Like, where did that come from? And a great scene. That happened to me. I am the mailroom guy at New Line Cinema for about 31 days and, I don't know, 91, 92. I was up all night the night before playing cards with the real Scott Lavin, who Scott Kahn ultimately plays. I'm exhausted. Now, where the scene is different than what actually was shot, I go to work that day. I'm walking, and the vice president of New Line Cinema comes racing out of her office with hot coffee, smashes right into me, and goes, what the fuck are you doing? And dumb New York Doug goes, what the fuck are you doing? And I stop, and I look around the offices of New Line Cinema, and I'm like, I guess I'll go. Yeah, I'll pack my bags. I was in the elevator, swear to God, going, my life is over. Exactly like that kid said it in that scene. What? Well, Kevin's been working in this business since he's like seven. Well, he's like, my life is over. What's like the worst, lowest moment of career or jobs where you're like, what am I going to do now? I got fired from an episode of Daddy Dearest. <laughs> In 1993, Don Rickles and Richard Lewis, and I got fired after a bad run-through, and that was a tough pill to swallow. Because oh, I didn't think it was really my fault. I shoulder a little responsibility, but, it, you know. You thought Don it was Rickles' Rick fault. Well, Don Rickles doesn't really, he doesn't look at the script, and, like, <laughs> I'm waiting on cues. You know, that was a tough one. And i never forget my agent, who I appreciate as an older uh, guy, but at 18 years old, your agent, my agent goes, look, there's no real nice way to say it, so I'm just going to say it. You got fired. Go tie one on with your buddies, and we're back at it on Monday. I was just in shock. It was I terrible. mean, that is, that is tough because that's a show 
with two very big stars. I don't remember if it worked. Did it? And then, no, they only did 13 episodes, but I don't think they liked each other. There was like weird tension, you know. Whatever. Jerry, have you ever been fired off a show? I, I've never been fired, just to be completely honest. Like, I well, mean, yeah, I, I mean, it's I, nothing to brag about. You shouldn't it, make one up. You would have had to probably <laughs> fire me. I, I haven't done before Entourage. It was, you know, a few guest spots. I should have actually been fired for sure from my first job on TV ever, which was on a show called City Guys, which is one of those Saturday morning, like, Saved by the Bell type shows. And you know, they tell actors Connolly back me up like this is 20 years ago. Like no matter what they say, you can do it. If they ask you to ride a horse, you can ride a fucking horse. Right. Yeah. Great. So <laughs> I go into the audition. I do my audition. I'm playing like this pizza delivery boy who's on these rollerblades that have like rockets in them, right? To go faster. Jesus. But I'm not on skates in the audition. So I go up, I say my few lines. Great. I walk out. I get the part. I'm all excited. And then my manager at the time asked me like, well, you can rollerblade, right? Cause you have to rollerblade. I'm like, I stopped roller skating before rollerblades were invented. I played roller hockey when I was a kid on four wheels, and then I was out with rollerblades. But of course, yes, I could do that. <laughs> so I get to set two days later. I practiced for two days. I mean, I had scratched up knees. I was all fucked up. <laughs> and I get there, and you know how like it was on a studio lot. Those floors are so smooth, right? Yeah. By the really way, great like place to play hockey. <laughs> it would be a great place to play hockey. Not a great place when they say, okay, you're going to come in with these five pizzas, skate up to the main lead table and do a spin stop, like 360. In rehearsal, I come up, I, I, I'm like, it wasn't, I walked down the stairs, they knew I didn't have it, but I come rolling in, I try to do a 360, I have to grab onto the table, the pizza boxes go flung, I rip the table out from the oh, floor God. and wipe out in front of the entire first team cast in rehearsal. Oh. And the director was a guy named Frank Bonner, who was actually on a sitcom that I loved as a kid called Just the Ten of Us. He played the priest. He was directing. Oh, I remember that. And I literally look up at him and he's like, let me talk to you. And I'm like, this, I'm going to get fired. This Hold is on, it. Jerry, had you done the crash course? Like when you got the job, did you run out to Big Five, get some blades and yeah. try to do like a little, try 100%, to- hundred percent. Right, but course. again, it's two days. Skating though. on like the concrete was so much different from those smooth studio Floor, right it just was different it was like what does the director say so frank brown grabs me he's like you can't fucking roller skate to save your life can you i'm like no i think i forgot he's like you did not forget he's like listen all right i'm gonna send in your your double to rehearse go outside and skate around for like 40 minutes forget about the spin stop just look like you've been on skates before he bought me time i came back and I got through it. I still, to this day, have never seen the episode, and I don't want to, but I should have been fired. Jerry, I desperately want to, and we need our new businesswoman producer to find that if it exists. So we, we need oh, that clip. That luck. would be amazing. What was the name of the show? <laughs> Jerry's hiding it. City guys. C I T Y. Naro's on it. Businesswoman is on it. It was NBC. It was like those, like I said, like the oh, Saved by the Bell, California Dreams, like that Saturday morning. I'm watching the businesswoman. She's all over it. We're gonna find it and we're gonna cut it into the social clip. Just show it to me first. I've never seen it. <laughs> all right, let's get back to the episode. So we start in the opening of the of the show. Again, this is Turtle Needs his 50-inch TV. The guys are spending money for because of this offer that's coming that they don't have. They find find out everything is going great they got into sundance billy walsh calls this is really based on on rob weiss amongst friends when that happened and he got into sundance sundance was so huge back then it's a big deal i mean it was a big deal to get into sundance and and it was a major thing have you guys you guys ever been besides when we shot i mean yeah. yeah that was the only time i ever been there was when we shot and and yeah that was my first and only time ever to sundance yeah, I mean, I've, I've been a few times. My uh, short film with Robert Downey and Tim Roth and Zoe Deschanel made it into... That got in with Downey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> by, by the way, this is early Downey. Uh, yeah. is early I know, Downey. no, I remember. So you're I saying remember. Iron Man didn't get you into Iron Sunday. Man, got... No, but no, of course. But Downey was still one of the, you know, a world-class actor. You told me something about that. You said, like, you gave him, like, three notes on a take and, oh, like, he man. went three for three so effortlessly. Like, you've never seen anyone just hit three notes in one take. Like, all right, we're done. I have to say something that's a little bizarre about this when Connolly was begging to direct episodes of Entourage. He, he never, I, I don't know anything about this short film. I swear. Yeah, by the way, seen it's also, great. also too, we made it to the final 10 for the Academy Awards. How about this? If that happened today, it would have gotten nominated for an Academy Award. I would have had an 10. Academy Award nominee. And you already have an Emmy win. So right. That but, been I would, good... but it would have been, yeah, we were down to the final 10 and then they cut it to five. And also it was like 2003 or 2004. And it was, I'll send you the, I'll send it to you. I really want to see this. There movie. was so, like a, so just so we're clear, Kevin Conley directed a short film with Robert Downey Jr., Zoe Deschanel and who? Tim Roth. And Tim Roth. And Amanda Pete. 
And Amanda Peet, who ultimately yes. was on Entourage. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. And, you know, Toby McGuire, old, my buddy, he's like my brother, man. It, it, to his credit, you know, I'd been kicking around trying to get, like, do a short film. And when I tell you that, like, Spider-Man opened on like, Wednesday or, or the Friday, whatever it was, on Monday, he was like, let's go. Let's go. Green light on your film. He got me down. He, he got me all those people. So, yeah, and you know, tip of the cap to Toby. And, on and that that's one. amazing. And, and you know what? We all always need somebody to, to help us out and get those breaks. I had someone who I hate now, but he got me <laughs> David Schwimmer from my first short film and Ernie Hudson and Johnny Silverman and a bunch of other people. So it's uh, you always need that someone who helps you get a break. So, But it's fun watching you guys. And, and look, I know E is a bit of a stick in the mud, but I, I got to back E in this episode. 100%. But E starts off cool as a cucumber, and I love that. You're like enjoying everything. And, but and- we got a $150,000 retainer for the house to designer and then we're at the design center and turtle and vince are looking at sharks like eleven thousand dollars for a shark yeah well, well let's they need get a two. friend you let's know yeah. Yeah. it's the same thing i say jerry is so young and innocent and you know we were talking about this on the podcast jerry everybody asks who and i don't mean changed personality or egos or this and that but jerry is the most transformative person on the show yeah, by he grew far. up on the show you know he really did like jerry was a kid and you know he was a, a 20 points 10 assist athlete that none of us <laughs> believed at the time he's i have an article yeah <laughs> jerry sent me an article but jerry came in as, as a chubby kid and left the show as as a handsome you know with the probably Kylie will get mad at this but probably the best build on the show by the end depends, of it I mean. <laughs> uh, depends but uh, finally we disagree what, depends the time of the year it is i guess you know um no but also too the thing about turtle that i always loved it was just blind confidence in Vince. Like, what are you talking about? Of course, of course, Vince is the biggest movie star in the world. We're get, you know, we, we're we're gonna have it all. Turtle was, yeah. You know, well, it's that, good to have positive. Well, uh, turtles, turtles' out. job as a character, as, as as I've talked about before, it's important to me. The only way the show was gonna work is everybody had a real purpose, and Turtle was the supportive go to guy who would do anything for you. Period. They may not have realized how smart he was early on. Obviously, we figured that out by the end of the show. And not an ounce of negativity in Turtle. Nothing. Nothing. Which is really... And Jerry, I'm going to need you to commit to this because at some point we have to do this. The original script, um, which we've talked about, I think I sent it to you, but I want to do a reading of it that HBO rejected, which is... It's similar but really different. But Turtle is the most blunt honest guy they come out of the premiere this is the opening of the original script of entourage and turtles like vince that movie just sucked (laughs) and it gets to the point where vince actually throws turtle out of the limo and it is so different than the turtle that ultimately became the guy who who i don't think he's lying by the way he believes in vince to the point that he's gonna make it you know a couple things i think if it was that kind of like I think you might. I, that might have been my first firing if I was cast as like the dark, blunt. Like that movie's a fucking piece of shit, Vince. Need to fire, fire fucking Ari right now. I think you might have fired me right there. But yeah, I think Conley hit the nail on the head. Like I don't think it's false kiss assness. Like I oh, genuinely believe, believe that Turtle thinks Vincent Chase is and should be the biggest movie star in the face of the earth. Just it's untouchable. Not, yeah, like, and something else that you ended up doing later, which we had discussed in the early years, was like a lot about their upbringing in Queens and stuff. And I forget, much later down, there's something in one of the scripts where it's like Turtle helped fund the move to L.A. for Vince with like gambling money, you <laughs> yeah. know? Like, I just always say that whichever one of these four guys would have made something out of their lives, I don't think the journey would have been much different. And the interactions would have been much different other than, you know, if it was drama who blew up and had this TV empire. Yeah, we would have been working for drama. If E would have been a, a hockey player who made it big, we would have been, you know, but it would have still been them we would have been, with the same vibes. If E would have been a hockey player. Except E might have been like, you know, guys, hey, it's Friday night, nine o'clock. We should stay in and get a good night's rest. I got a big game tomorrow, you know. I don't know why I might have to fight tomorrow. Mad oh, doggy man. on the ice. It's funny, though, that you say that, Jerry, because I just I, I'm working on this new show with Thierry Henry, uh, international football star. And 
I like posted something about Good it. Good luck putting extras in that stadium. <laughs> I sound yeah, negative. Yeah, by the way, I negative sound like e. E. By the e. way, you see how Jerry's- how are you going to put those extras in that stadium? You Good know what? Luck, this dog. is this is when you talk about how you play to your your people's strength. Jerry's face lit up. He was so happy for me. And Connolly, like <laughs> E and Turtle, Connolly just shot it down. But you my, can't shoot that pilot in this current climate. <laughs> but my point was something interesting to talk about about Entourage the show. So a lot of people wrote on my Instagram. Oh, sounds like bowlers. Here's what a TV show is wow. for, for writers out there or for anybody else out there. Bowlers and Entourage, you could say they're similar. They're not. Otherwise, you could say Entourage and Friends are the same show because they're about a group of guys. Or The Office and Cheers are the same show because they're about an off, a workplace with a romance workplace at the center. Workplace comedy. But the truth of the matter is what was necessary to make Entourage work like Hollywood, God bless. I don't give a shit about any about that. What this show is to me and what I think makes it resonate for people still to this day is it's about friendship. It's about loyalty. And why it really worked is because most of us had that behind the scenes as well. And I think the three of us, it's interesting because in our, our lives outside of us, we all have friends that have been friends for anywhere from 20 to 40 years in our lives, you know, and I think that's what it is. So for anyone writing any show, forget what the backdrop is. What's important is the characters and the casting, which that's you know, true. Which that's fortunately, a big part of the battle. Yeah. So anyway, that was just a little aside. No, I like that. I really thought, and and maybe it just hits differently because it's you know years later. But I really thought it was a good job in a the script and then the execution of it all with like just how big of a deal something like yeah Aquaman, which we were kind of clowning on at the start. And then, like, James Cameron, every character in the episode is like, holy fucking shit. Yeah. Like, you felt the weight of this. You didn't have to be a business insider to understand what James Cameron coming onto that movie meant. Yeah, and, and that's really true. Like, it, it, something like that changes the scope of a movie. Like, Aquaman, really? Oh, James Cameron's Aquaman? That's some shit that I want to be in. And that's why I was so obsessed and harassing Janice. Because I'm like, there's no one else. Well, explain to people who Janice is. So Janice was our post-production supervisor, Janice Tashtian. Um, She was awesome and, and ran everything in post. She worked with James on James, Mr. Cameron. Uh, yeah. You know, she, <laughs> she would finish the episodes, <laughs> yeah. like literally take the edit and, and get it ready for air. Music, sound, mixing. She's editing, honestly one of the most key people on this show. It's a very important job. She kept everything rolling and she was awesome and a killer. But when I gave her a script with Mr. Cameron's name in it. She was like, what are you, what are you doing? And I said, Janice, you can do this. You can deliver this. And I need you to, because I really mean this. Of course, Martin Scorsese would make an amazing Aquaman. But to me, there was only one person at that time that could make that movie sound good. And that was James Cameron. And, um, yeah. and we were lucky enough to get him and it was awesome to have him. And, and later on, hopefully Jerry will come back for great story when he was on the set and they all pulled the prank on me where James Cameron started screaming at me, which was amazing. <laughs> so you'll have to tune into another episode. That's for that when later. Dylan said, I always knew we'd be working together, Jim. Just didn't think it would be under these circumstances. <laughs> I was there for that. Oh, um, the other funny line that Vince has. Vince is, Grenier is really good in this episode. Fantastic in the episode. I'm just like, ah, spend. Jerry's selling him on the fish tank. Jerry, who did you tell him had a fish tank? Oscar De La Hoya. <laughs> Jerry's like, Oscar, Oscar De La Hoya has a shark, Vince. <laughs> and he goes, Vince goes, it is calming. <laughs> <laughs> and he needs a friend that eleven thousand dollars a shark i'm actually wondering because i'm assuming that i actually looked that up i have no idea what a shark actually costs so we should we should we don't even know how much that too. actual house costs because that is like a 60 million dollar yeah that house would be victor maitland's house from beverly hills cop too that would yeah. be you guys spent two hundred thousand dollars that day before lunch all right, between the designer and the sharks but and- by the way i have been around i'm not dropping names i have been around extremely successful athletes, extremely successful movie stars, and this is shit that happens. I have seen them spend money on shit that is so mind-bogglingly stupid, and, you know, it is what it is. So this was not an exaggeration, but still, it is a wish-fulfillment episode because I think every guy from Queens, Brooklyn, Long Island wants to go out with their friends and go to the PDC and buy a freaking $100,000 shark tank. As It'd be stupid nice. as it It'd is. Be nice. you know? And Dylan also, too, I'm watching this episode, we got Chris Penn, and Dylan is in full calf mode in this episode. He's not here to talk about it. I got to say, if we were putting Vegas odds before this season two even started, 
if you would have said, okay, of the storylines that is actually going to resonate for years, years to come, come. <laughs> the calf implant episode would have, in my opinion, been a massive underdog. Man, you would have got paid out because that shit has resonated forever. And Dylan probably gets asked about his calves. The bummer for him is Dylan's got great calves. Yeah, he, uh, you know, like, he's happy to show them to you too. And, that, and that's why I think it's okay because if push comes to shove, he's happy to pull up his jeans and go, look at those chiefy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I mean, that story originated. I'm in Hawaii with, with yeah. my ex-wife, Melissa, who you guys all know. I have small calves. I'm an athlete, by are the you, way. Are you I insecure about calves. your calves? Of course I'm insecure about really? my calves. Since I'm a kid, they called me Skinny D in high school. Yeah, of course skinny I am. Skinny D? But, uh, but my ex-wife said- I like it. My ex-wife said, I, like I don't even know how it came up, but we're at dinner in Hawaii, and she said something uh, about calf implants, which I swear to you, I didn't think was a real thing. And then I remember sleepless nights where I'm going to have to approach Kevin Dillon and say, I want to do this calf implant episode. And he embraced it and sold it. That scene with the doctor, it really could be pretty dumb. And I'm not saying I wrote it that well. Dylan makes that scene so kind of sad and believable that he feels like his whole life and begging his brother for the money. But I think that Dylan just sells it and is so great. And uh, he never complained about that storyline, but he did want everyone on set to know that his calves were huge. And that was a great Chris Penn cameo. Great Chris Penn cameo. Um, Rest in peace. So, yeah, Dylan, obviously, like when Matt, when that man commits to a yeah. storyline, whether he loves it or secretly does not love it, he just sells it. But I will say the thing I think you tapped into most was insecurity, even amongst like what you would think is maybe a confident actor. Now, Johnny Drama is not necessarily the most yeah. you know, confident. confident at all times. But he certainly shows it, but it, it wasn't like he wasn't pulling the numbers in audition wise that he wanted because of his calves. Like, it's not his <laughs> fault. It's not the performances he's giving. It's not maybe your age range isn't what's popping right now. It's your calves. Clearly. I think that really caught a lot of people's attention of like, yeah, it's not his fault. It's the calves. And I just could not believe like he sold, like if they go under the muscle, they feel just like boot. Like I, I just, it's just, he just, and, and as it. you can see now, 15 years later, cosmetic surgery was pretty right. limited at that time to other areas. Now it's major stars doing lip implants and Botox, which I find well, mind-boggling. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, that's though. I've never, rampant. I have never seen anyone that looks better with fake lips than they did with their real lips. That's me. I don't know what people think about it. But even if you watch what's weird, and this might be embarrassing, even though Jerry's actually with me on this, I now, because of my girlfriend, watch The Bachelor. Jerry used to watch it. I used to make fun of him. I'm now obsessed with it. If you watch The Bachelor from 10 years ago, and watch it now. There's not a person on The Bachelor that doesn't have fake lips or fake hair or fake well, eyes become, or whatever it is. It's become a business opportunity now for they, people. You know, and it's sad. I hope it goes back because I personally like people who look real and natural. But anyway, uh, Dylan killed it. Chris Penn. Let's get to him. Chris Penn. I watched Reservoir Dogs last night for the 4,000th time because I wanted to just see it for this. And I've, of course, seen Chris, who's Sean Penn's brother and rest in peace, passed away. He's so good, and he's so good in that little scene also. True romance. True, I mean, he's so good in everything, but yes, and uh, we were lucky to have him. And you know, anyone who hasn't seen True Romance or Reservoir Dogs should check it out. And, uh, and also, too, All the Right Moves, an early Tom yeah. Cruise movie with Chris Penn. And he was also in Footloose, wasn't he? Was he in Footloose? I've yeah, actually he was never the, seen he was Footloose. He was like the meathead friend in Footloose, wasn't he? I can't believe he? I can say that. I've never seen Footloose, which is yeah, weird. Yeah, he was like the local that like befriended Kevin Bacon. I did not I'm know pretty that. pretty sure. Yeah, so watching this episode, you know, Queens Boulevard gets into Sundance. And it is like, at least I don't remember anything in season one or early season two. This was the nicest Billy Walsh ever was to E. I think maybe in the history of the show, uh, up until maybe the making of Meta E and you talk him off the ledge. He, he, it's like, where are you going? Let me know. Invite me out. He wanted to hang out. It was Only surprising. for a minute, though. Once he got to the club, he was in. I want to sit next to the Maddles. <laughs> like, that was another line that we was heavily quoted from uh, Billy Walsh, heavily quoted Billy Walsh. And a great line. Billy Walsh beard episode. A great beard episode. Also, too, the thing about Reese, and he, we talked about it when he was in here, that was all by design. He grew that beard as like a Billy Walsh waiting for Sundance. And he also hit us with suit one and suit two. And he also dropped skirt suit 
to Dana skirt Gordon. Suit. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, that's, Debbie Mazar was skirt suit. Debbie Mazar was skirt suit. That's I mean, right. He's just great in that scene, which we'll we'll wrap up with that scene in a second. But before that, we honestly have one of my one of my favorite runs in the show, and people have asked a lot of questions about this couples therapy session, which uh, I'm going to ask you guys a, a little personal shit. But I, I mean. This was, and I have apologized to my ex-wife many times about it, this was a very realistic look at my couple's therapy. I was a little bit of a fucking, like, crazy person, um, and we would go to therapy, and somehow I'd always end up either in a fight with my ex-wife or the therapist. I don't know, and I'd end up leaving. And that's where it was written from, and a lot of people, which, Jerry, they they ask constantly, is that made up? Uh, You know, it's the biggest compliment to an actor and a writer, but there's not a a fucking comma that wasn't on the page for those scenes. And Perry and Ari killed it. And we'll get Perry Reeves on to talk about those scenes, but they are some of the funnest and, like, the whole thing where Connolly calls and and Friendster, which I wonder where Friendster... I don't even know what that is. Friendster was, like, one of those first kind of connecting apps. It wasn't a not like apps, a MySpace thing. Yeah, it was like a Facebook type of competitor, and it was pretty big at the time. But um, that scene and leads into that mailroom scene. But what I was asking you, and we're just a little personal stuff, is like, you guys done couples therapy? Did you find that a realistic uh, thing or what? <laughs> Jerry, Jerry got all uncomfortable as I as I shift uncomfortably in my chair. <laughs> um, I've definitely done it once in my life, not with uh, your wife. So everything's not great. with my wife now. I'll tell you the thing that messed me up, though, because something I always thought was hilarious in that scene that I also thought was kind of true, where Ari says, you know, I have to take this call at noon on a Wednesday. Wednesday. Like, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. It's 12 o'clock on the wet. Like, what? Like, what? I have to do this. I've said that line, and it doesn't go over well. It's so interesting. I watched the, the show with my girlfriend last night. And she's looking at it like Ari is a monster. And I am laughing my ass off because I'm like, what's he really doing wrong? He's he's trying to make this work at noon on a Wednesday. But the pressure, which in this business, no matter how successful you think you are for a minute, you're one second away from that all disappearing. So you're always under a lot of pressure. And Ari was. And he's like, I'm here at noon. So sure, if you want to go live. And everyone's like, what's Agora Hills? Agora Hills is a beautiful neighborhood, say, by the way. It's a really nice but place. It's, a, it's about an hour from L.A. And, and you know, typically you Group don't want to live that far out. and you know? villa for yeah. whatever. So he's making some valid points. But the funny thing is with, with my girlfriend last night, she was like, that's you. Like, because he's says his anger goes from zero to 90 in a second and i guess kevin connelly and i have, oh, don't drag me down we're this. similar I'm get, I'm a get along very person. well with my girlfriend in couples therapy i don't, <laughs> I don't kick up any dust in couples therapy but jerry made me think of something he tells ari i heard it from josh weinstein and ari takes it so ari must acknowledge maybe josh weinstein was a real deal agent that's what i'm saying I think Weinstein might have, like, where's Wein? Is Weinstein running an, F- an, an agency now? Is he By the now, head? Did he start his own shop? Is he producing now? What is Josh Weinstein, Weinstein doing? Sky's the Ma- limit. I think he had, like, a Bitcoin scandal, and he probably did 18 months in federal <laughs> prison, is my I guess. Oh, man. He was pretty good. He, by the way, he did find Queens Boulevard. He Fact. did find it, and, and Labar was fucking awesome. We got to get him yeah. on, too. I mean, I love him. But he was based on Josh. Josh Labar played Josh Weinstein. And he was based on Josh Klein. Who's, who's, you know, still in the business, I think. But uh, we made him a little shady. But I think what's interesting about the Ari moment, similar to Johnny Drama's insecurity with Cavs, when you get information from somebody that should not have it before you, that's really where all of his anger was coming from. Especially and, Ari's ego as yeah, well, right? I mean, the fact that he doesn't know the fact that he dated the woman who has this information and she's keeping it from him, it means, by the way, that it's very real and it's very serious. And it happens, unless you're Leo, it's happened to many, many stars where all of a sudden they lost a big movie that they thought they had because a bigger star came in. And uh, so that brings us to the club, which <laughs> this is fun. This is a fun day. I mean, was that shelter? Is that it shelter? was that shelter? Yeah. So we shot it, it at shelter. shelter and the scene outside Reese is just, you know, Billy Walsh. Sorry, Reese is such a great actor, but he's such Ooh. a dick to the big giant bouncer at the club. But that's just who he is. He's like and- smoking a cigarette in his face. Vince, will you tell these cunts <laughs> that I'm with you? And then he blows cigarette smoke in his face. He comes and he dominates. 
every time he comes on screen, he walks away with every scene that he's in. He takes that scene. Yeah, but, he does. But also a great moment in that scene is when, when Vince is now believing, he, again, he has this movie for sure. He tells Drama that he can have the calves, but Drama yeah. doesn't want the girls that they're with to know it. And yeah, we'll talk about that later, bro. We'll talk about that later, bro. And shout out to Grenier with a good delivery of like, even though I think it's fucking weird, I'm going to give you the money for it. Like, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I just thought, yeah, I thought he hit that really well because it was at the time we I didn't know just how transcendent Cap and Blance would be. But, uh, <laughs> and but, also Chuck Pacheco, my buddy, comes yes. in and just way, fucking kills it. Good. He kills it with that line. And yeah. that, you know, that is a memorable moment that you I know, also got Chuck a job as uh, the bus driver on the notebook. Is that right? Yeah. Chuck was the bus driver on the notebook. Lines? Tells Gosling to sit down or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dialogue in the notebook. But he came in and and Jerry, I don't know if I told you this. I was in Vegas. We were at like one of the fights and we were walking from casino to casino, but we were outside and Chuck was walking in front of me and window rolls down. And the guy goes, Chucky! The guy recognized Stop. him from Entourage. Didn't say a word to me, but he recognized Chuck That's from Entourage. That's pretty awesome. It's one of the great endings because really that line, like, yeah, Leo went to Paris to go meet Cameron about some fish. It's like game over. You're out. You lose. <laughs> Game's over. I don't. I don't. I actually. I got to look what the end song is. But Venner had the Rihanna song as they walk in, which Venner wasn't even yet the music supervisor. He was uh, kind of working in that department. But uh, he found Rihanna before I, most people knew who she was, and he tried to get us to to get that song approved for the trailer for the season before it ultimately on the replay yeah it ultimately went to number one and he was right and and started leading to us me completely trusting his instinct in music and it was great it was a good but also too it's it's one of those whenever we had an ending like that i mean again it was like uh colin farrell's doing matterhorn pizza boy um anytime you have the, the the lines that hang on that i mean that was a that was a legit cliffhanger. I mean, you were coming back to the next episode to see what was going to happen. Because it's funny, we all end up at the club together. So everybody really is there. And the other thing is that Ari hears it himself. It's not secondhand. Ari hears Chucky say it. Yeah. But doesn't he in the next episode say, let's relax. We heard it from a club promoter named Chucky. <laughs> I love the fact that Conley is now ahead of the game. He used to not watch the episodes. Now, since Dylan's missing, he's actually prepared well, with the one ahead. Producer, I don't remember. Yeah. But what were you saying, Jerry? I'm not trying to defer to you, Conley, as like a <laughs> nightclub consultant. But like, <laughs> that's not a ridiculous thing that there's a standing table for a certain celebrity. And totally. not, you got to leave one Leo. open. Well, whatever. Yeah. Justin Timberlake. Bieber comes in. Guess what? You gotta, you gotta have that table for Bieber. I feel like I've been kicked off Bieber's table before. <laughs> Jerry's got this beautiful office, I think, going there in Ohio, which I'm interested about. But this chair, which Connolly stole a chair from the Conor McGregor fight. What do you got going on back there, Jerry? That is a chair from the original Yankee Stadium, uh, which every every grain of dirt, I believe, was sold or auctioned off. Uh, Man, they Connelly, really did. I, I have two. You have two, right? Yep, yep. We went to the Steiner Sports Warehouse, and I felt bad because it was kind of my idea. I was like, Jerry, come it on, we'll jump in the it car. Was. We're going to drive out to happens. the Steiner Sports Warehouse. We'll get, we'll, you know, we're going to pick up some stuff. They're going to let us walk through the, uh, through the warehouse, pick up some Yankee memorabilia. Jerry and I basically end up in a meet and greet. They stick us in a room where we <laughs> like took two hours, two hours. And we took like 500 pictures or whatever it was. And then we walked into the warehouse. We're like, oh, yeah, we're going to take some stuff. Give me four chairs. I want to <laughs> get this thing. And we also do you still have. Of course you do. Of course. That's the big piece ticket right there. There's only two in existence. And it's a picture of Mariano Rivera running out of the bullpen. And on the left in marker in his handwriting, he wrote down every postseason save. And it was yep. 42, matching his number. Beautiful handwriting, too, Mariano. Beautiful Rivera. penmanship. <laughs> you think that's worth anything? I think so. And it was even cool because he was going to retire. But then if you guys remember that, he opted for one more year. So there was like official word from Mariano Rivera's camp that like if he notches a few more postseason saves, send it back. He'll write it in and send it back to you again. I'm like, whoa, I'm in. If he picked up a couple more saves, Jerry and I were going to have to send our photos back to him for signing. And I did meet him one day and I asked like just to like, like let's verify this. <laughs> this is actually a crazy story. I was at Madison Square Garden one day at a Knicks game. Okay. And I had some really awesome seats that night. I reached for the Knicks, a security guard. And I've gotten to know all the security guards. Taps you on the shoulder and is like, come with me. 
I'm like, why? Am I getting kicked out right now? He's like, no, just come with me. All right, I start walking with the security guy. I had to leave Bree. I'm like, Bree, I'll be right back. <laughs> and we go like now under, we're like in the, the bowels of MSG. Like I'm in places I've never seen. And then I get brought up the other side into a suite. And I'm like, what? what's going on? They're like, someone wants to meet you. And I walk in and I see a bunch of like little kids and a few, and it's fucking Mariano Rivera's <laughs> suite, bro. And apparently his kid, he was a fan of the show, but also he had like a, at the time, this is years ago, he had an 18, 19 year old kid who was obsessed. So I take a picture with him. I'm talking to him. I'm like, did you do a thing where you wrote the postseason saves? I'm just curious. Cause I have it. He's like, oh yeah, yeah. He was like, you have that. I'm like me and Kevin Connolly have it. He's like, he verified that it's authentic. He verified it. And I have the picture with well me said. and him from that night. That's there the proper anyway. 12 speaking right there. <laughs> Connolly's drinking whiskey. He was so nervous that Dylan wasn't showing up, but Jerry, you have fucking crushed it, and we want you back every week if you want. But so let's have Jerry want. help with fan questions. All right, we'll so let's a couple ask a couple of fan questions, okay? Question from at Pina Colada 26. Whose idea was it to have Perry's character rarely referred to by her first name? And obviously that was my idea. Perry was based on my ex-wife, Melissa. Her name was Melissa. We learned that later in the show, and, and that was my idea. A Night 12. How much did Ari or anyone improv... You guys can jump in on the improv. I mean, of the show. for me, not not a whole lot. Like every now and then, once we knew we got it as scripted, like if we had an idea for a button, which a button is something that you say after you get the scene as written. And if you think there's something funny to potentially add, but honestly, not a whole lot on my end and not a whole lot that I saw. You leave room for the scissors. Right. You leave an right. edit point and then you, you say your button. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But yeah. Jerry and I were more... Stick, stick to the, the script, script, guys. Grenier, I don't know what he was sticking to. It wasn't the script. We had a great improv from Grenier in this episode, which got cut. Which but one? He actually said a wrong line. Do you know when he says, Johnny, why do you work out with Chris Penn all the time? Every time he, he whips your ass or whatever, he says, he, he went rogue one time. He was like, Johnny, why do you work out with Chris Penn? Every time you work out with him, he busts a cap in your ass. Yo, <laughs> yo Jerry, I today, today when I was watching the episode, I always thought that that made the cut. I was devastated when I watched it. And like literally drama opens the door for Vince. I yeah. never asked you for money, bro. And he opens the door and, and on one of the takes he said, Johnny, why do you work out with Chris Penn? Every time you do, he busts a cap in your ass. That was a little less of an improv and more rogue. Jerry and I were rolling around on the floor. We fucking loved it. We thought it for sure was going to make the cut. A right, couple didn't. of things just because I'm I'm a little all over the place. First of all, Connolly's impression was much more Robbie Berger than fucking <laughs> Adrian Grenier. That's number one, Brilliantly Dumb Podcast, which is great. Number two, I don't even understand. A bust of Captain ass would never have been in the show. It and means it's a- Chris Penn shot. <laughs> shot. Right. That's what I'm saying. You know what it means. I just, right. it, it's so out of touch. And that's why I say most of. It was funny, though. <laughs> Jerry and I were fucking. Well, I think what's funny about it is it's so bizarre and out of left field. But uh, to answer the question, there was very little improv on the show. Usually, whether it was Ari, whether it was Jerry, or whether it was right. Kevin, they would call me up the night before if they had lines. So usually it would be there. And then, it, as they said, I always said, at the end of the scene, you got something you want to throw in, throw in. If it makes it, it makes it. Great. I will slap Brad Pitt in his face. I, I made Jerry do like three extra takes because I just didn't want that, that moment to end. I wasn't even, I was off camera. <laughs> so as far Love as fan one. questions, I feel good about this. We've kind of answered them yeah, all already. Did. But we Stephen Bade 8, we said, what was the firing of the mailman? I've said it. I am Nick Burrs. Were you ever tempted to write a cameo for Vince and Drama's dads? Okay, that's interesting. That's a good question. Were you ever... Thinking about a cameo for Vince Dead's, I am Nick Burroughs. Yes, 100%. I was driving down the street one day. This is sad, too. Rest in peace. Dennis Farina is in a uh, like a sky blue Ford Mustang. Great. Now, Rob Weiss and I, we talked about this. We wanted drama to find out that his dad, whoever doesn't know Dennis Farina, one of the best badass, was a real police officer, and then became a star, Midnight Run, and a million other things. But Dennis Farina, I see him, and I go, Dennis Farina! And he's like, yeah? I go, I don't know if you know Entourage. He's like, yeah! I'm like, I want you on it. He's like, yeah! So Rob and I thought what would be funny is to have drama find out that his tough guy father was actually gay, and we were going to have Dennis Farina do it. That would have been a turn. I, I didn't, I didn't I, see that coming. So anyway... Dennis Farina would have been great. Oh, man, that would have been awesome. And it would have been a great character to explore. Yeah, and I, I rest in peace, love Dennis Farina. I will, what is it, fucking Midnight Run. Somebody knows the line. Sydney, I will fucking stab you in the eye with this pencil. <laughs> and get Shorty also, one of the best. Ray Barbone. Ray, Ray Barbone is awesome. That was it. But wait, I, one thing, and maybe it'll get cut or not. Maybe we won't because Connolly wants Evergreen. I don't know. He's going to try to syndicate this somewhere where long after me and Dylan and Jerry are fucking That's gone. why they're not signing, bro. That's <laughs> 
why they're not signed. They're worried about you syndicating. I just have to say this. Brings it all around to friendship, how this stuff goes. Ten years ago, I call you guys up. I'm like, guys, we're going to goal. A buddy of mine plays for Wisconsin. He just got drafted third round by the Seahawks. Usually these guys be like, ah, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, we go to goal. Russell Wilson. Everyone's like, this guy's going to be the quarterback of the Seahawks because he's Connolly sized. He's a nice guy. He's a little bit bigger than me. Thank you, Doug. But yeah, he's not that that. much bigger than you. I mean, he's, you know, Connolly's 5'9. Russell's 5'10, 5'11. Whatever. You're not 5'9? Are you kidding? I really thought you were five. Well, thank All you. Right. I appreciate it. Your hands are either. Russell, so, Cro- uh, Russell Wilson. Is far he's five nine. I'm five eight and a half. This is great for me. Anyway, we go, and I just want you. I want you guys to just think about how life changes career. Do you remember? I'd be like, guys, he's having a good season. But do you remember, guys? You got to retweet Russell's tweets. He needs some followers, and 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 you'd yeah. be like, leave me the fuck alone. Around Doug had like, us building Russell Wilson's <laughs> social media. I don't think account. he follows me anymore. Right. Not only that, <laughs> he doesn't follow me either. And Doug, and Doug can't get him on the podcast. What have oh. you done? For for me later. First of all, we'll get Russell on the podcast for sure, but what I wanted to say... Is that he's having a good year. He's no, no, no. That's year. not what I wanted to say. Connolly knows it's coming back to him. The man at this point has fucking more touchdowns than uh, incomplete passes, okay? But Kevin Connolly broke his leg and claims it was an errant Russell Wilson it throw. It was a little off. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm high. there. I was, I, well, look, all right. I was the defender in the, uh, in the awful incident that I still like wish never, ever fucking yeah. happened. So just let me set it up so everyone knows. Russell's in the movie. <laughs> Russell, Kevin, Jerry are throwing around the ball on set, which is never a good idea. Throw goes, and Kevin no, 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 broke. No. It was in the scene. We were rolling, bro. It was That's, actually for we the scene. shooting. No, we were shooting film, Doug. Oh, we were? We were that shooting. was in a take. Yeah. Okay. And there's a, there's a piece of it in the movie, like a tiny piece of it. All right. So anyway, what I was trying to get, and I guess Jerry has confirmed it, but I just I thought Connolly was ridiculous to say that Russell's throw was offline, but you're saying, go ahead, Jerry. It was not online. Now, Connolly, yeah, Connolly maybe zigged when he should have zagged, but it was not <laughs> online. The pass was not online, and then just, God, we have a bad history of playing sports on this show. Yeah, maybe Dylan we're not athletes. But also, look, very simple. It was a catchable pass, but it wasn't between the numbers. Okay. Well, the, numbers. the good news is Russell, who is a close friend of the family. and Apparently but, not. No, 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 no. Russell, now it's been confirmed that this throw was offline. So, Russell, you owe us. As soon as you win that MVP this year, which I believe is going to happen, you're coming on the podcast, so we will get him. This so, is so awesome. Jerry, say, thank you very much. Yeah, Jerry. Always. Thank you, thank you. And that wraps up another episode of Victory the Podcast. I'm Doug Allen at Mr. Doug Allen. I'm Kevin Dillon. Kevin Dillon official. Victory! And Jerry Ferrara. How'd I do? So you did great. You did great. Sign the papers, guys. Sign the papers. <laughs> Thanks, the Jerry. Papers. I got the papers. I got the papers.